Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. What's up, Kyle? Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> you betcha. Um, what's that? That R and B song? Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. <laughs> Gonna find. That's what made me think of. Yeah, I sing that all the time. Do you? I, yeah, all the time. Because that's what it makes me think. Of. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Little Lauren Hill, little Fuji's. Is that who it was? I couldn't. I yes. couldn't put. I couldn't pinpoint who the artist was. You know what that makes me? I have a specific memory. The Fuji's. <laughs> the Fuji's. I have a specific memory of going into Circuit City. You remember the Circuit City? So, I mean, oh yeah. And in the in the middle of the Circuit City, they had a area where you could go in and turn the different speakers on and mm. uh, mess with that. Be an annoying ass teenager. Yep. Yep. And I sat in there and listened to that song. Yeah, dude. Yep. It's about the right time. Yep. Circuit City. No more. Nope. Uh, Radio Shack as well. Completely gone? I think so. I think they still have a Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so so is uh, now, uh, who's joined the crew now is um, Bed Bath & Beyond. Filed bankruptcy. Oh, really? Yep. The big B. The big B. Let's add another B to their... Uh, Bed Bath Beyond is bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, so we you missed last week because yeah. you were sick. What happened? Just not feeling well, man. Just Diarrhea. Feeling, yeah, it's oh, yeah. the worst, man. Real, real uh, low energy too. Not you know not not able to get up and do much. Just feeling uh, run down. How long did that last? About like twenty, you know, almost forty eight hours, something like that. Then I was starting to feel better. So. If uh, if the YouTube watchers are wondering why I keep drinking water and Kyle's got sweat on his forehead, it's because when he got when he got to my house, I made him help me carry a refrigerator from the too, basement yeah. out outside an old refrigerator with a uh, hollow note sticker on the front of it. Yeah, I tried to keep that hollow note sticker. Tried yeah. to remove it. Yep, it had been on there for so long it, it ripped when I tried to take it off. It's a magnet, so I didn't expect it to rip. Hollow notes fucking sucks. So you think? Probably. Um, I don't really think they suck, but I don't. I'm not a huge Hollow Notes fan. I'm not a huge fan of pop music. Yeah, but Hollow Notes has some jams. Dude can sing. The one dude can sing really good. I forget yeah. which one. Hall. It is. Hall. Hall. Is the one. Yes. Makes sense. So my my uh, my wife's mom was a Hollow Notes fan, and uh, before she passed away, we would go drink wine with her some weekend nights and uh, tie one on, as they say. Yeah. With a vino. And yeah, uh, yeah, Veritas is and, what they say, and that's what they, it is. What they say, especially back in ancient Rome. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but there's that song that I didn't know was a Hall Note song, but you've heard it in a bunch of movies. It's um, 
Oh, and now I'm losing it. It's, what uh, I got? Juke that's it. the one. Really? That's the one. Really? Yes, that's no, exactly the one, dude. <laughs> dude, that's Hall Notes. Yeah. But then also, uh, I heard some other Hall Notes song th- through my wife and her mom that are not bad. Yeah, they got and, some songs. Yeah, the one of them that I like is uh, all I can think of is Sarah Smile, but that's not the one. It's um, I can't go for that. I like that song. Yeah, it's not bad either. It's a pretty good one. Um, no, the one oh, Rich Girl. Oh yeah, she's a rich girl. Yep. Yep. All right. Good. Now that, we've, now that we've got that out of the way, and everyone knows neither of us can hold a tune, especially me. I sing all right in the shower. Whenever I choose to. Mm. Good for you, man. Yeah, I don't choose to very often, but I, 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 I can sing. Uh, you know, I can hold a tune. I, I don't think I have like the greatest voice or anything, but I can definitely hold a tune. I'll give myself that much. I feel like I gotta turn you up or something. I was in choir when I was in church. Oh yeah, yeah. While we're talking about not being able to hold a tune, that's something that I say, like a defense mechanism. Like I bring it up and put it out there because I'm, for some reason, ashamed about it. It's like that you can't. Hold I a tune. can't sing at all, yeah. and I feel like a little bit of shame about it. Like I should be embarrassed about that. And I, I'd like to talk to you about shame today, Kyle. Shame. All right. So. As you start getting older, you start getting a little bit more introspective, and you start realizing that you can, you can kind of like control your development. Like you, once you realize that what you practice, you can actually, you know, make some meaningful changes to your life. Shame is one that I would like to get rid of. I don't mm. want to feel it anymore. I decided, you know, it it's, it really gets me sometimes, man. Yeah. And I was like, it doesn't have to. There's people out there that have zero shame. You yeah, know? I don't know. I don't, like, that doesn't seem good to me. Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, because I'm thinking, like, you know, like the people of Walmart, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of those people. Yeah. Like, they, they don't care. They're driving around on their little wheelie majigger, and they're dressed like a clown and in ICP makeup, buying their uh, pint of ice cream, and they don't care. Yeah. You got no shame. No shame. And you're right. That's not good. But I kind of want to have that power. I want to be able to turn that switch on and off. Why? Because I don't, it doesn't feel good. You know? Shame. And like this, this, the things that I feel shame about, not all of them are, are under my control. So it's like, I wish I could just not just give zero shits. Just flip that switch, man. That zero shits. Switch, yeah. What's that? Uh, the Serenity Prayer. You know the Serenity Prayer. Um, I think so. It's uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. Is it, is I'm that, gonna fuck is that it the up. AA prayer. The, yeah, I, I think they use it. Yeah, yeah Lord, give Great. me the strength to know what the what I can change <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah. the hell. You and know? the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, 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 that's a good prayer, man. Yeah. Um, I don't think the idea of chucking shame in the bin. I don't think it's a good idea. I think the shame serves a pretty good purpose. Yeah, it does. But do, are are there any instances where you feel shame and it's something you don't have any control over? Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. I think most of the time when I feel shame... I think I'm pretty good at letting myself off for things that aren't really my fault. Um, I do hold myself to a high standard, um, but 
Yeah, when something is clearly out of my my control, I'm not gonna like beat myself up over that, you know. How about this? Do you do you do this ever? Do you remember a time? Oh yeah, when you were embarrassed when you embarrassed yourself as a child. Oh yeah, and it, you think about just it, like, and you're just you like cringe yourself God into damn non-existence. It. Yes, and you wish you could cringe yourself into non-existence. Yes, yeah. And even though the memory's 20 years old or 30 years old or whatever, you're still just like, just like God damn it! I wish I hadn't done that. Jump off of a building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll admit one to you, uh, and to the entire audience listening. When I was uh, 14 years old. I had a girlfriend that I lost my virginity to, and uh, she was, I'm sure she's a nice girl now, but um, but she was a bitch back then at times, you know, and uh, I don't remember the circumstances, but I remember my feelings were hurt, and I cried in the back seat of her fucking grandma's station wagon. She was driving us to to her house, and I wish I hadn't done that, man. I wish, I wish I hadn't done that, you know? Uh, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> to this day, I'm like, God damn it, Chris. You shouldn't have done that. You don't that. remember what she said? <sighs> no. No. I, I do. I remember that I, every, everybody gets out of the car. Like we just driven, like, you know, it was, a, it was like a 25 minute drive or something. We had just driven over there and, uh, everyone gets out of the car. I just wait in there for a little bit and then I get out of the car and I walk home. Yep. Just, just walked home. It's a long walk. It's a long walk. It's a long walk of shame, Kyle. Were you shamed back then? Did you feel shame, like, in the moment, having cried? That's a great question. I don't exactly remember if I did in the moment. Yeah. But I do now. But there's lots of instances like that where I did feel super embarrassed in the moment. Mm. And still feel, it still feels like a... You know, I was reading some of that Freud and Jung and stuff a little while ago. One of the things they, and this isn't even Freud and Young, this is, I think this is something Jordan Peterson said. He said, if you have a memory that's more than, I think he said like 24 months old, and you still feel like an emotional re- reaction out of it, that's trauma. That's something that you haven't, you haven't processed. I got one of them from when I was 14. Yeah. When you cried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have things that I regret like that that are just like embarrassing yes like when I was dating um you know the girl that I moved down to Columbus to date Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um just like fights that we had you know like in front of people it's just (laughs) fucking embarrassing man in what way do you feel like you were a dick or do you feel oh I mean I was definitely a dick without question I was a dick um but just like I just don't understand why like if we were gonna fight you know, like, do it privately, you know, like, you don't, I don't need to, we don't need to be, like, fighting in front of people. So something like that happened to me yesterday. Oh, yeah? So yesterday I went out to dinner, my wife and a couple friend of ours, and um, by the way, I was in uh, Nashville for a few days last week. And nice. I, I, well, it was for work. She's, it oh, was for no. work. Okay. And uh, I, I'm just exhausted. I'm just, when you, when you travel, like, I just got back from, um, spring break with the kids in Florida then I come back I'm here for a few days I go to Nashville then I come back and uh anyway I mean I'm just I'm tired so I'm just telling you that story but I was sitting there at the table this nice restaurant everyone's having a good time and I bring up like a personal sexual thing whoa and it's like 
basically what it is. What, this is at the the work dinner at no 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 no, oh, no, okay. no 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 no. This okay. was this was yesterday. Okay, this okay. was yesterday. I, I was like, that's why I was so confused by that. Yeah, I Go just ahead. overlapped two stories for you gotcha. to confuse you. So I, I basically brought up. I'll just I'll just tell you, I was uh, away for three days, and then I came back and I missed my family really badly, and I missed my my wife really badly. Carnally, a while. What were we? Yeah, and uh, I thought I made it pretty obvious. Like I was uh, dropping hints, you know, like atom bombs. Yeah, um, and then humping her leg when basically, <laughs> and then when uh, when bedtime rolled around, I, I was waiting for her, and she she finally comes to bed, and then I was like, oh, I had to, I've had to go like adjust the thermostat, so I go downstairs and I come back upstairs, and she has the pillow over her face and she's snoring, and I'm just like. So, business time. <laughs> so I sort of bring it up. I bring this up like I'm trying to make a joke about it. But it's one of those things where it's like I'm making a joke about it, but really I, I, it, it's bothering me, and I'm just and I just I just can't help myself but bring it up. And uh, I wish I hadn't done that. You know? Yeah. I wish I hadn't done that. I don't. Know, I don't know if I'm embarrassed about it, but it just in retrospect, it's not worth it. I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yep, hindsight. It's a motherfucker. It's you know? a motherfucker. Yeah, dude. Um, but uh, shame, shame. Yeah. So you, I, I know that you know we missed last week, but before we missed last week, that you had said you wanted to talk about the white pill by oh. Michael Malice. Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. We still got still got your thoughts lined up on that. Well. It was an interesting book. So I, I, I haven't listened to it. I started listening to it. I haven't finished okay. it. I'm probably about halfway through. Okay. So if you're halfway through, then you know everything I'm getting ready to say. So I didn't know Michael Malice like, wrote a bunch of books. He has a bunch of books. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize that. But I, I, did, I did know that he was either Russian or his parents were Russian. Ukrainian. Ukrainian. You know, potato, potato. Last name's Kretschmer. Oh, I completely agree with you. Potato, potato. Yeah. But, you know, I think he would say he's Ukrainian. Yeah, he so. speaks Russian. Yeah, and that comes through in the audiobook, by the way, because he he uses oh, yeah. some Russian words. And the point is, the book's interesting in the fact that it it starts off talking about Ayn Rand, which I thought was pretty cool, and um, it tells the whole history of uh, a really high level history of the rise of communism and uh, uh, the horrors of communism in Russia, and uh, you know. You know, a little bit about Lenin and Stalin and Trotsky and all that stuff. And I don't know that history very well, so that was pretty interesting to me. I haven't heard... I, I literally don't think I've heard anything that I didn't know already, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Well, good, man. Yeah. Oh, you didn't learn it in school? No, no. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't learn it in school. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I, and some of it I knew, but there was a lot of stuff I didn't know. Like, I didn't know Trotsky was a Jew until you told me. Yeah. Um, and then he told me what Trotsky's... He Bronstein. Was, that's the one. Uh, he also said he also talked about um, Belarusia, which I assume is Belarus. Yeah, but I had never heard that before. I thought that was interesting. I also didn't know that was it Ukraine? Was it Ukraine and Georgia? And I'm trying to think of the original three founding members of the Soviet Union. Mm, I don't remember. Anyway, there was lots of stuff surprises, um, but I'll tell you what this overwhelming. <clears throat> takeaway for me was it was the hardest thing to listen to because it's like minute over minute 
hour after hour of him talking about the most horrible shit you've ever heard in your life. And I'm just like, when is it going to get better? Where's the white pillow? What is happening? And it was just tragic, man. Yep. Lots of bad stuff. Lots of bad stuff. Lots of really bad stuff. And the thing that made it the most surprising to me was, and I had, and I had never heard this before. And so if you don't know the history of the Soviet Union or communism, pay attention to this. When the Soviet Union rose to power, communi- well, not even prior to that, when communism rose to power, it was touted as the political system of the future, right? It's like science. Science. It's all based on science and, and equality and you know, equity and all this stuff, right? Yep. Firmly, firmly rooted in equity. So Everybody's going to so be the same. Fucking delusional, man. And 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 they thought that they were going to make industry as efficient as possible by getting rid of all the of all the rich people sucking money out of the system so and all of the waste. So stupid. Like we're going to create. Like somehow, some person's going to be able to do some kind of a fucking math equation and know how many, you know, how many pounds of potatoes that we're going to need. And we're going to grow that many pounds of potatoes on the perfect pace. All that we're always going to have as many potatoes as we need and not a single fucking potato more. Exactly. And not not just with potatoes, with fucking everything. Everything. It's so stupid. Like, Like it's, it is stupid. But it's also the most arrogant shit yeah. I have ever heard. Like, it, you have to be stupid to be that arrogant. To be like, oh, I can, I can do everything. I can, I can control everything. Yeah, but th- there's a really weird thing here where you're right. You're 100% right. But people who, who, some people, not all of them, who manage to be that arrogant are wicked smart. Oh, yeah. And it's like the fact that they're so competent... And they think that they're smarter than everybody else. Like blinds them on. Blinds them. Yeah, it makes them stupid. It makes them stupid. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And and you see that reflected in uh, academia now. <clears throat> like all of these, all of the rich, uh, the 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 smartest, most educated people um, are pushing the most very similar ideas today. I mean, they're pushing the most ridiculous shit. But just this idea that central planning was going to be like this super sci-fi future I just I just I couldn't believe that that was the angle and and people were convinced of it because everything technology had done up to that point had changed the world in all these ways and improved people's lives and like yeah let's just take this to its logical conclusion we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take Karl Marx we're gonna make him fucking space Karl Marx (laughs) we're gonna make him some kind of AI robot and he's just gonna make magic happen yeah you know Yep. How, how are you supposed to plan for what seasons are going to be good and what seasons are going to be, are, you know, how are you supposed to plan ahead to know how many potatoes to grow when you don't know what three winters from now is going to be like, you know? Is it going to be a, a dry spell, you know? What, or you, you don't know, like, what, if people are going to decide that they start wanting something differently. Precisely. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, at this moment, people want... Want French fries, you know, but uh, maybe eventually they want French fries and tater tots. Then what the fuck do you do? What do you do? You know? And another thing that he said in that book was that, I can't remember the context of it, but somebody came over to um, the United States and saw 
the variety of food yeah. at the grocery store. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. They thought that it was like propaganda mm-hmm. until they saw it with their own eyes because yeah. they had like 11 items in the grocery store. You, you, had, you could pick from 11 things, you know? It's crazy, man. Did you, you get to the part where he talks about, I'm going to fuck this up. Uh, he, one of those um, Soviet ruler, uh, rulers in like the Reagan era came over to the United States got drunk, was picked up by the Secret Service naked on, on Pennsylvania Avenue. Guy sounds like a partier. It was like Khrushchev or something like that. Yeah. Or Gorbachev. I don't remember who it was. All those Russian names, they just are like gobbledygook together to me. But uh, but yeah, he got picked up by the Secret Service. They hushed it up. They hushed it up, you know. And, and Reagan once said, was asked about it. And they said, what did he say? And uh, apparently he, he said, when he got picked up by the Secret Service, he said, he wanted pizza. And they asked him, well, what happened? And Reagan said, well, he got his pizza. <laughs> yeah, I imagine he did. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Like I, you know, when you're, uh, whatever, whatever the position is, the leader of the Soviet Union, you just get your pizza, you know? You get taken back to your hotel with a, a fresh pizza. Yeah. You don't go to jail. Correct. Uh, the, another one of those co- communist leaders that they told talked a lot about was um, the guy from Romania. Ceausescu. Ceausescu. Now, I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. And that he was probably the worst case example of this. I'm not to that part in the book yet. Well, they just basically said he was the most incompetent human being you could yeah, possibly yeah. imagine. And he sucked up all of the wealth out of his country and treated people like cattle and just terribly but you remember when I had that dude uh, working on my old house he came over he he fixed some drywall he he like restuccoed the ceiling his name was Alex vaguely yeah he was Romanian and we got to talking about politics and he brought up Ceausescu but I just nodded like I knew because I, I don't want that's another thing I'm embarrassed about it's like as an American like is it so much of world history that's like common to people in Europe. It's like we don't even fucking learn it. And I just nodded like I knew what he was talking about, but I had yeah, no fucking Ch- idea. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, he was in almost in tears talking about it. Yeah, I bet. He's like he's like in his fifties. This guy, and he came over from, you know, the communist era to start his family here. He told me some fucked up. Like he literally came over here with like nothing. And he's like a successful contractor now, and he has a family and all that. And this was right before um, this was right before the second Obama election, or maybe it was right before Biden. It might might have been right before Biden was elected. And uh, he said, if Biden was was elected, that he would seriously consider leaving the United States because he he saw what was happening, the direction we were going in, and he was so upset about it that he was crying. This dude. Is a is a burly contractor doing fucking labor in a in a stranger's house? We get talking about politics, and he's like weeping. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. It's a fucked up situation. Um, like I said, I haven't gotten to that part in the book yet, uh, but I, I do know a little bit about it. But uh, I basically, I've, I he's still talking about Stalin. Uh, Talks a lot about Stalin. Yeah, he's still talking about Stalin. Uh, Stalin, where I'm at in the book. I remember he was talking about the famine, you know, the man-made famine in Ukraine. He was talking about some lady holding her baby, and the baby wouldn't stop crying. She started punching the baby in the face repeatedly. Yep, yep. 
to get it to stop crying. It's not not what you want to hear. Oh, know? dude, it's not a good story. There's so many examples of that, like how dehumanized people became under that system, and so many progressives in our country are yearning for that. Oh yeah. Well, that's one thing I wanted to talk about uh, with as far as I am in the book. Like, you look at all the tactics that they use, and that's all the stuff that they're doing now, you know? Yeah, like what? Like, specifically? Um, I have notes in my phone, but my phone oh. is basically dead right now. Oh, no worries. Um, so, manipulating the truth... Mm. Um, you know, the media, uh, the oh, stuff like that. Yes. Um, you know, reporters reporting on things that they have no idea about or deliberately reporting lies. Yeah. Um, things like that. That's all going on now. Absolutely. You know? Yes. Um, what else was going on? Well, they, they got, um, uh, like a, what do they call it? I guess I would call it a culture war, but they pitted, you know, the people against each other. So the um, right right now, it's basically white people and the rest of the uh, the rest of the United States. That's what that's what the media is trying to create, and it's fucking working like gangbusters. Yeah, for but sure. for them, it was the uh, what do they call them the the successful farmers? What they call them kulaks or something? Yeah, the, kulaks. The, cool, the kulaks versus the uh, you know the everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it was so bad that. They reinforced that message in the media, you know, constantly that they were suffering and they were starving and communism wasn't working because of those people, because of those people over and over and over and over again. For sure. And that's what we're hearing. It's, It's all white, white people's fault and specifically white men's fault in our country. Yep. Um, I think. Hold on, I'm finding my notes for this. Yeah. Um, While you do that, I I think it was Rob Schneider. I think it was. He tweeted something about uh, his kids coming home and bringing up um, what did they bring up? Um, some something they were learning in history. Oh, uh, they were. They he asked them about the presidents, what they knew about the early early presidents, mm-hmm. and they they could only name George Washington. Yeah, only George Washington couldn't name anyone else. And then he said, "Okay, what do you?" What do you know about George Washington? What have you been taught about George Washington? Um, he was a racist slave owner. Yeah. What else? What else do you know about George Washington? They knew nothing else about George Washington other than he was a racist slave owner. Yeah. What in the fuck, Kyle? That sounds about right. That is a manipulation of history to make people believe a completely different reality than what we were what we what we were taught. Yep. Which draw, which draws into question whether what we were taught was reality either. But this, the 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 difference between what we were taught and what our children are being taught is 180 degrees, man. Yeah, there's a little bit more. I, I I tend to side with what we were taught being at least a little closer to the truth, just based on the fact that there's a little bit more detail. There's you know? a little bit more nuance. Like when somebody <laughs> when somebody tells you a lie. And they make it a little bit more complicated. It's like, oh, this guy's not lying. Like, he's just like, that's a real story. He's got, you know, he's got details right. in there. So um, I still am partial to what I was taught originally because, like I said, it's just a little bit more to go off of. What are the kids going to think when they when they see that famous painting? Who who painted it? I don't know. But 
Washington crossing the Delaware, yeah. you know, and like Washington's like up on the front of the boat, looking like, like fucking, fucking looking like John it. Smith. They're probably like those people on the boat are his slaves. Yeah, <laughs> but the story behind that is 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 an amazing story of one of those Revolutionary War battles where the British basically had the colonies cornered, and it could have been the end. And he that motherfucker snuck by the dead of night in the fog out out of there to to end up co- you know coming back and and turning the tide of of the war and that's a they don't know that they don't know that George Washington was a general in the in the revolutionary war yeah you know yeah they don't even know that he had three four sets of false teeth can't remember how many but he had like a bunch of false teeth <laughs> did he yeah remember he had teeth made I know of wood he had false teeth, made of but, ivory oh yeah, yeah, he, had yeah, more, yeah. he had like a mix and match you know yeah he could do more than one kind absolutely all right sorry man so the first thing was uh, they were talking about the propaganda of the deed. Do you remember them talking about that? Fill me in a little bit and I'll, it'll come uh, back. It's like these anarchists, um, they would, you know, assassinate people. They would, you know, uh, you know, make bombs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, they would say when you kill somebody, when you assassinate someone for political purposes, don't hide, like, to... T- Say why you did it. Say this is why we did it. You know, you know. Within days, you need to like be putting flyers out, things like that. Mm. Um, and just with like as crazy as things are getting, like that doesn't seem that far off to me. You know, like uh, the left particularly is already. You know, they they call for violence all the time. They do. They like act like they don't, but they do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that just seems like the logical conclusion, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, to say... Punch a Nazi in the face. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, for sure. But even to say that, like, words are violence, which is which is something that drives me absolutely nuts. But when they say that words are violence, which, by the way, guys, it's fucking not... They're not. Um, I, don't, I don't really... I'm a little bit extreme in this view. I don't really believe that there's such a thing as inciting violence. And and even if, like if you're dumb enough to fall for it, then you're you're the one that's guilty. And I'll make this argument when the yelling fire in a crowded theater as well. It's like if you stomp on somebody, you should go to jail, not the person who yelled fire. I don't want to get down this path. I'm just telling you, I have I have a, an extreme view on this. Uh, where was I going with this? Um, oh, violence. So they say they say that words are violence, and what that means is. Like, if I were to say to you, what you're saying to me is hurtful, and I feel, I, what do they say? They don't say scared. Sometimes they do. Unsafe. I feel unsafe. It's like you've created this, this like, image of these invisible daggers coming out of your mouth and harming me. And I say to you, your words are violent. Then if you're doing violence on me with words, don't I have, don't I have the, every right to do violence back on you? And, and is there a difference between your words being violent and me punching you in the face? See, when you say words are violent, you are inciting violence, you bitch. That's what I think. Sorry, I get a little hot under the collar sometimes. No, I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I've seen so many people saying things and getting, like, wailed on or jumped. And I'm like, it's not justifiable, you know? And if you pretend like words are violence, then you are giving somebody the, a pass to do actual violence by manipulating reality, you know? Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. All right, Forrest Gump. All right, the, uh, the next thing I had on it was um, 
Oh, so the, the same thing with like the the media. I, I wrote down the media is not even allowed to say the words famine or starvation. Ooh. That seems like something from today. It's like, nope, you can't even say that fucking word. Right. Don't even say it. Yeah, they would they would come up with some other word to say mm-hmm. that sounds better. Yeah, they would call it food food inequity or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Nutritional it, inequity. It makes me think of the Hunter Biden thing, you know. Yeah. Just like uh, what they report on is what is true to to most people, you know. So I don't know if this is true. This is something my wife's aunt told me, and she's she's a she's very conservative. She said that. Hunter Biden is supposed to be appearing in court because of he's not paying child support to his child. Mm-hmm. And and the claim is that he doesn't have the income. He can't afford to pay it. And I, maybe that, I mean, that, maybe that's an oversimplification or maybe this is entirely made up. I don't know. But that dude, didn't he, didn't he get in trouble for selling paintings for millions and millions of dollars? Yeah, I think so. I think I remember hearing something about that. That's if that's true, and he, and he can't pay child support, and yeah. he's he's the president's son. Are you kidding me? He was making like that Burisma company in Ukraine was paying him like some ungodly amount of money to do nothing, like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month or something like that. It reminds me of that episode of Family Guy. Where Brian's like, "You got money for fake mustaches, <laughs> or Stewie? Where's my money, man." <laughs> yeah. He, uh, Bi- Hunter Biden's got money for cocaine and, and hookers, but he doesn't have money for child support. It's a joke, man. It's a it's a national embarrassment. They should have done with Biden what they did in the old days. And this is going to be insensitive, but you know JFK's sister, who they lobotomized because she wouldn't stop sleeping around. Mm-hmm. They just brushed that under the rug because it was the president's family. Nobody ever heard about that. It was a secret. It was a state fucking secret. That's what should have happened to Hunter Biden, man. This is lobotomize him. Well, you know, it's 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 an embarrassment. The fact that the leader of our country is a decrepit old man with a fucking I don't even know what to call Hunter. Just a just a, a fuck up, man. A fuck up. Yeah. Make it makes a lot of money for a fuck up though. I'd like to be fucking up like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What else you got, man? Um so Uh, I already talked about that guy. Well, I didn't talk about him specifically, but it's just more journalism type shit. That guy, Walter Durante, with all the... Just, like, reporting things that are blatantly false, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, we already talked about that a little bit, though. Um, okay, so this is something that you talked about. Uh, it says that the Bolshevik Party wanted to make the ideas of shame and family loyalty to be viewed as bourgeois and antithetical to the party line. What do you think about that? Well, family loyalty. So it's like they wanted you to be loyal to the party above all things, and that that meant that the traditional um, lines, you know, which were tribal and family, familial, Mm -hmm. they had to be superseded by this higher order, uh, you know, standard, which was to be loyal to the party. Um, and that requires breaking down the family. It requires breaking down the traditional uh, feelings. The, the feelings that were, were built into our culture by evolution. Like we protect our family because that's, that's our genetic lineage. If you don't protect your family, you die out. If you don't protect your tribe, you die out. Um, so you have to undermine that in order to get people to ad- attach themselves to some other uh, 
standard. And so you can look at, you know, the nuclear family breaking down in our in, in this country. You can look at uh, uh, what's happening with our children right now being basically the government's trying to pretend like the children are their property and not ours. That we, you know, this all this is all we're playing out with this whole trans argument that, that we're having right now. Um, that seems like a parallel, but what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, they're definitely doing the same things now. You know, again, it's more stuff that they're uh, more things in common that they're put pushing the agenda that they're pushing back then and now. It's like that uh, undermining of the family unit. Um, you know, it's like the game plan just doesn't ever really change. You know what I'm saying? It's you know like that's true, and it, and I, it makes me wonder. Maybe it's not intentional. Maybe it's coincidental. But the fact that we didn't learn this history is what is allowing this to happen. Because if we'd known this history, we would see it for what it is. So I wonder, like, were we not taught this history because the because the communists were were established in academia and they wanted to whitewash it so that this could happen again? Is that is it that intentional, or is it just the fact that we didn't talk about it had left this opportunity open? Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I like the conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but the other thing that they said they wanted to, you know, kind of shift the view on to make it viewed as bourgeois and antithetical to the party line is shame. Yeah. So yeah. why why do you think that the Bolshevik part, you know, why would they want to get rid of shame? Or why would they want to make it to where shame is antithetical to the party line? Well, because if you if you don't feel shame, you're capable of doing terrible things. You're capable of allowing terrible things to happen without feeling, without feeling like your conscience tell you something needs to change. I guess um, something like that. What would you say? That that makes sense to me. But but if you but that that must mean if that's the case that must mean that they anticipated they would have to do terrible things and that they anticipated people would have to lose their traditional values in order for this to work right we have to we have to prepare people to see terrible things where their conscience would normally say hey this is this has got to stop and we have to remove we have to take that barrier away so that people can see people being shot and buried in shallow graves people can see their kids and, and family members taken from them and killed and raped and it's all for the greater good. You know what I mean? It's like, I, that's so dark that I can't really even fathom it. It's very dark. It's so dark. Yeah. Um, we, we started the episode with you saying that you wanted to get rid of shame. Yeah, I know. That also makes me feel shame right now. Not, <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel shame not, for wanting not, to get rid of shame. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of shame because I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's very important. But there's some things I wish I could just not feel ashamed of, you know? For sure. I definitely get that. Yeah. But, uh, I, like, you know, we, we like Jordan Peterson a lot here. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jordan Peterson would say get rid of shame. No, he I wouldn't. I think he'd be like, no, you, you, you keep that shame. Yeah. Bro. Yep. Yeah, he'd probably ask me. He'd probably force me to tell him what it was I'm specifically referring to. Yeah. 
but I don't really want to do that. No. Like, I cried in the back seat no. of my girlfriend's no. car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so that, that, what else did I have? Um, so, one second here. I don't know, that's basically it. But, uh, just like, when you see how everything went there, you know, and knowing that the people who were doing all that stuff were just like the ideological forefathers of like the people who were doing stuff now, you know, um, I just, it makes me honestly more, it makes me more comfortable with saying that I want Caesar. You know what I'm saying? Because look at what happened there. Because, and I, I don't yeah, know, but man. Listen, I, I, I sort of understand what you mean if you, if you, by that you mean if we had a strong ruler that could quash it that for once and for all, then that would be, that would be ultimately the best. But the thing is, Stalin was Caesar. You know, I guess. So if you allow a Caesar, you don't know what kind of Caesar you're gonna get. You know. <laughs> yeah, but if you if if you don't do anything, if you just sit there with your hand, you, you know, if you just sit there on your hands, you get Stalin. You know, and that's what we're going towards. It's fucked up. So what do we do? We just like sit, just sit there and fucking take it? No, I want Caesar. I guess we have to have the battle of the Caesars. We have to have a good Caesar. Let's call him God. I don't need And a bad Caesar. Let's call him the devil. Yeah. And we're going to pit them against each other. Cage you know? match. You know what scares me about that? Is I feel like there's a lot, maybe this is just the propaganda, but I feel, I feel like there's a lot more people that would be signing up for the devil's army in, in this uh, weird analogy of mine. They would have a bigger army, you know? Maybe. So there's a lot of people that are talking in weird ways now uh, about what's going on politically and culturally as being demonic and evil. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like conservatives are wanting to do that sometimes. They use that kind of language. But I'm starting to, like, see some truth in it. Like, I'm starting, yeah. I'm starting to see ways in which it makes sense to me that you would use those words. And we talked about one of them already. And I said that this whole communist philosophy is is arrogant, beyond all imagining. And uh, going back to Jordan Peterson, he he says, maniacal arrogance, Luciferian arrogance, the pride, right? The pride that caused Lucifer to think he was as great as God and he was cast out of heaven. It's like that's the kind of arrogance that I see in politics and in the leadership of culture, whatever that means. It's like, uh, you know, people that are far too big for the britches, who think that they know best, and so many dumb people who agree with them. And that bothers me, man. Yeah. Now, is it the case, do you think, that in sheer numbers, that people like that, the, the sheeple out there, outnumber the, you know, rational thinking people in this country? Uh, the the pessimist in me wants to say that yeah I think that there's a lot more like bottom of the barrel people um, but I don't know I, I really don't know because I try not to just 
I try not to just uh, concede to my inner pessimist all the time because I think that he's wrong a lot more than I give credit for. You good, know? good. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of bottom of the barrel people on the right too. Oh yeah, know? but but here's the good news: if it came down to armed conflict between progressives and rational human beings in this country, even if we are outnumbered. Have you seen? Have you seen them? Like, have you seen them? The most effeminate men, that you know, like the most ridiculous people you've ever seen in your whole life. Those are the people we're up against. And I'm, I'm sure some of them are formidable. Some of them must be formidable. Some of them definitely are. Yeah, yeah. but a lot of them. I went. To, I went. To, I went to the Natural History Museum this weekend. I took my daughters because my oldest daughter loves. They both love dinosaurs, um, but my oldest daughter loves history and, and she's a lot like me and I never I've never seen a dinosaur fossil reconstruction like at a, at a, at a uh, museum before and we have one we have a bunch you know right you know 40 minutes away so I was like let's go to the natural history museum like kind of for my kids but kind of out of curiosity for myself and uh, we go there and every single person who works there is the most like boy I don't know how to say this I don't, I, want to, I don't want to be, like, mean unnecessarily, but, like, every woman there was super butch with with colored, colored pink mohawks and combat boots, and all the guys were effeminate and, uh, you know, just transgendered people, and just the whole circus of, of, of liberals were there. And, and, I, and I noticed it everywhere, everywhere. And I thought to myself, and I'm just never too—I'm just never too sure how how much to just blurt out on this podcast. But uh, I thought to myself, these people work at a museum. They're smart people. They all have probably advanced degrees. These are the people that the universities are churning out. And there were a few of them that were nice, and I, and I again. Genuinely, they were nice with the girls. They were they were like t- teaching them things, and they were, they were great people. And I would never say anything bad about them. And but there were others that it doesn't make me think well of the educational system in this country, especially the universities. This is what we're turning out, you know? Yeah, not good. I have a picture of one of them. I'll show it. I want to show you. Yeah. And, and the thing is, that makes me feel shame. Bring that back up. You snapped a picture of one of them. Well, she was in the picture with my kids. Um, I'm going to call this episode Shame. Shame. <laughs> uh, she was actually one of the nice ones, and she is like a caricature. Uh, she's a caricature, dude. I'll show you. I can't, I can't show the audience, but no. I'm going to show you. She yes. voted for Biden, you think? She voted for Biden for sure. Yeah. She voted for Obama six times. Hmm? Um. Oh, here she is. Oh, do you, see, right. do you see the mullet behind her? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us to her right away? All right. So uh, and she was a nice lady, man. But. Looks like, like Jay Leno with a mullet. It just makes me wonder, like, if this is the best that we're, we can we can do. If this is what we're churning out for the future. What does that mean, man? I don't think it means anything good. I think, uh, you know, I hate to be 
you know, like I said, I try to keep the inner pessimist under control, but I don't see good things in the future. Uh, we were uh, we were hanging out last Friday. I came over just to hang out, and um, we were talking about how bad things are and how it seems like the fall of Rome. You know, yeah. And just going forward, the way education is going, we're not going to have. It could get bad, man. We could like we're not going to have enough educated and experienced people to do the things that we need to do so we're either going to have to let things collapse or we're going to have to import that help from other parts of the world which has its own set of problems right because you're importing culture and other things yeah you know i told you this at some point you may not remember but my oldest daughter doesn't have homework this year it's crazy did you hear what i just said they're not giving her homework this year year not like she gets a weekend off or they're going to limit her homework to two pages she hasn't had one piece of homework all year and won't that's crazy she's almost done with the first grade nothing all year long i I recently found out that they did that as a policy because it was considered to be discriminatory against minorities we can't you can't expect minorities to study for that long (laughs) I I don't have any idea what that means. Who knows, man? And it's the same thing. It's like minorities aren't represented enough in the um, honors classes, so they got rid of the honors classes. What in the fuck, dude? What in the fuck? I don't even know what to say about that. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that that would hear this and think, I'm the asshole. You know? Thousands of them. Yeah, man. We gotta make, gotta make everyone else. We gotta make everyone else dumber. What do you, you, know? you think is gonna happen to our country if everybody's dumber? Because everyone is going to be dumber. It's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be good. And listen, I consider myself to be a pretty good parent. I'm not perfect. I'm a pretty good parent. And even I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, thank God, there's no homework. I don't want. I don't want to be doing an hour of homework. You know, before I have to cook dinner. And put the kids in the bath. Sure. And there's tons of tons of parents that are like, you know, relieved. And we're all wrong. I don't know if you're wrong, to be honest with you. I don't know that homework is necessary. Um, I think that if if school was done more effectively, I don't think you need to send them home with work. Do your fucking job at school. Do it where we're paying you to fucking do it. Yeah. Um, now, like teaching kids discipline and stuff like that, that's another thing. But... Um, like the idea of like tons of homework every night, I don't think that that's necessary. I don't. Th- I think that the, it's been demonstrated that that's not necessary. So you're probably right in a lot of ways, but I'll tell you when I was in college, like my second year in college, I took I, I, I took this math class, and math has not been my strongest subject, um, and I thought I could skate by on this in this class like I did every other class my entire life, mm. and I was wrong. And basically what I would do is I would pay attention during the lectures and I would learn whatever I was supposed to learn. We'd do some problems together. Usually it was like homework problems from the night before. We'd be going over select ones. And then I would go home and I just wouldn't do the homework. And I almost failed that class. I think when it comes to math, repetition is really important. And yeah. you've got to get the reps in, man. I agree with you. Um, things like that, It's you, you do have to just get the reps in. But I also think that even in something that is not like that, when you're talking about college, yeah, you're talking about something different. You're talking about 
becoming an expert in something. So you're going to have to develop. You're going to have to uh, commit some time to that, you know. Right. I'm talking about, like, kids, you know, like uh, kindergarten through high school. I don't think there's any reason to be loading those kids up with homework. I think you're a failure as a teacher if you can't, like, get the job done in the time that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I think for the most part that's true. I think once you, once you start getting into um, – more advanced math, like once you start getting sure. the algebra, you got you need the reps, man. Maybe sure. geometry too. You need the reps, but history is another weird one because it's like we've we've made that into mem- like a memorization yeah, it's practice. Garbage. And we should be telling stories, man. We yeah, should yeah. we should be doing history like Dan Carlin. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, dates. I get it. it, it what's cool about knowing the dates? It's like jeopardy like you know if like somebody just talks about nor you know the the norman invasion oh 1066 i know it's like if somebody just happens to talk about the norman invasion it's like what year did that happen and i'm like 1066 yeah. i look smart as fuck for a minute you right, know right but that's it that's yeah. like that's the only good reason to know you know yeah years and whatnot I, I think there there is a value to having like a scaffolding of timing so yeah. you know oh, yeah, where things are in relation to other things but yeah, it's good to have some like key, some key instances. Yeah. Or, uh you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So like the way I the way I do that is I I think about like like this, like the Stone Age, then classical antiquity, and then the Middle Ages, and then you know the Renaissance and the mo- in the modern period. And it's like uh, I kind of know the dates of those, and I can keep the story straight. And I think that's helpful. But I think that telling a story is so much more important because history. It's more memorable that way when it's, a, sure. sto- when it's a story. And, uh, you know, rather than just memorizing names and facts, because even if you do memorize names and facts, a week later, that shit is gone. But if you hear a good story... Even if you forget the name, you'll be like, the guy, he did the fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sticks with you for sure. And we've been doing that as human beings, telling stories, man. Over the campfire, granddad puts you on his lap, tells you a story. It's like that shit. We love stories, so you know. I think it needs to be more like that, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, we've talked about this before. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of kids who are in school who don't need to be going to all of the fucking classes that they're going to. There is no reason to be teaching some of these kids history. Like, I mean, like. If they have an interest in it and they want to, that's fine. But, like, wasting resources trying to get some kid who does... I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick at all. He's going to grow up to be, like, a full-time, not even management-level worker at a McDonald's. Yeah. Okay? So if he has an interest in history, that's fine. If he has an interest in math, he probably doesn't, if we're being, you know, if we're being, like, perfectly honest. He probably doesn't have much of an interest in, like, high-level mathematics. They probably confuse him. Um, So... We don't need to be teaching that kid fucking trigonometry. You know, we, he yeah. can go, he can have study halls, he can do, he can you, get it, he you can still, get out and go to work earlier. You still agree, well, yeah, but you still agree that there's some basic shit that everybody should should be required to learn. Reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Um, sure, yeah, uh, but like, if a kid, is, if, if, you know, if a kid is 13 and he's not, if he's he's not grasping the the reading the writing and the arithmetic i i don't like don't beat yourself in the head you know yeah yeah it's just like you just never know like cuz i'm thinking that there's been times in my life 
like when I when I went from the city schools to the suburban schools, where that first year, if you would have like evaluated me in that year, I'd have been I'd have been in a different trajectory, you know. But I was perfectly capable of a higher level trajectory. Sure. Uh, it's just like it reminds me of Minority Report. It's like if we had a way of knowing the future, if we could know for certain what you what you're really capable of, then I would agree with you. But we just don't, man. We just don't. I don't think that. I don't think that you need to be able to assess somebody and know immediately. You know what I mean? Um, you're going. There's going to be. Like you said, there's the basics that we're going to try to teach everyone, you know, and when you're teaching everyone those basics, first of all, you're going to notice some kids right away who are like, this kid gets it. Like right. he, he's, this kid's promising, you know, so then you find more things for them. Some kids take a little bit longer, you know, right. um, I, I think that if it was up to me, which I know nothing is up to me, but if it was up to me, we, I mean, education would be completely, I have ideas on what I would like to do, but I, um, it wouldn't it's not what we're doing you know yeah. so yeah i mean i do think i think that there are there are some people and i'm not saying that they're like less than and you know in the eyes of god or anything like that but we're wasting our time trying to teach them like really high level you know philo- you know like if it's up to them they're never going to take a philosophy class ever sure. yeah. you know yeah um so don't why are we like you know i don't know but just because I like want to eliminate that, you know, I still want to develop the people who, you know, have the potential. Right. And I think that we could do a better job of finding those people and fostering those people. I think so. I think one of the things I brought up, I think, when we talked about this last time was those Montessori schools mm-hmm. where the kids get to learn what they want. Yeah. And if they excel in it. They get to be in the same class as older kids who are at that level. And something about that sounds right to me. I think that's that's good. But then I got this other idea while you were talking about, like, imagine imagine you were to teach me math as a kid, knowing that I, ha- that I like to build things. So you teach me math by putting me in a, like with a carpenter and teaching me how to cut angles. I learn angles by cutting them. And measuring them, right? And doing something like practical and learning the math with that rather than sitting down and reading a book and talking about concepts. There's some kids that will learn way better that way. For I sure. might have been I might have been one of them. Mm-hmm. There's other ways to do it, man. For sure. I think we should start exploring those. Mm. But we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my inner pessimist coming out again. Got to beat that, beat that fella down. Yeah, he's right a lot, though. I mean, like, what? I don't know. I just try to think of, like, how shitty everything is and, like, what are we going to do to change it, you know? As soon as you do that, it seems so overwhelming. It seems like the whole world comes crashing down on you, you know? You just got to take it one little step at a time. Like Jordan Peterson says, you, you, t- you take the smallest problem that you can, I- you can identify and you break it down into the smallest possible units of action... And then you just take little baby steps, man. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And it makes a big difference, actually. Makes a big difference. Yeah, it definitely does. In your life, it can make a big difference. Um, I do wonder, like, how much making a difference... I mean, this is not like... This uh, This sounds like an excuse to be nihilistic, and I know I'm not about that. I think that's gay. Um 
but like I wonder how much making a difference in my life is going to matter that much it, you know uh, I just feel like things are getting bad you know um, and that's, that's super depressing Kyle <laughs> I mean I'm not I don't feel good about it I don't you know but you can't I mean you don't feel that way you don't you don't get those vibes every now and then yeah for sure like I uh, just try not, I try not to think about it yeah I try not to think about it too but yeah it's easier said than done sometimes, you know? Yep. Um, this guy I work with uh, was talking to me. He just randomly, I was helping him do something, and he was talking to me about how, like, scared he is about everything. I was like, dude, I feel you, man. He was like, it's going to be World War Three. Russia and China are getting together, and it's like, yeah, I know, man. Yeah, our, our economy is just shaky right now, man, and shaky. Yeah, yeah I know. Banks are collapsing. You know, the Fed keeps having to raise rates, so it like make it makes the problems worse. But they can't they can't do otherwise because other you know otherwise the value of our currency is going to keep falling, and it's like it's, it feels like we're on a tightrope. We are, yeah, definitely on a tightrope, and it almost feels like there's no making it to the other side. You know, like you start we started out on the the one building, and now we're out on the tightrope without anything underneath of us. And it's like, I don't know if we're going to make it to the other yeah. building, you know? Yeah, we're halfway out. There's no going back. There's no going back. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was just it was just funny that that a guy from work opened up to me like that. Because, like, he – I told him, I was like, I don't, I don't really talk to people about this kind of stuff because my opinions are bound to piss people off. Right. You know, he was talking about Russia and Ukraine. I was like, I'm basically supporting Russia at this point, you know? Like, I mean, that's, that's basically where I'm at. How, how old is this guy? About 50, okay, maybe, okay. somewhere in that area. So how did he take that when you said you're basically on Russia's uh, I didn't side? actually say oh, okay, that, yeah. but um, I did say that I don't support Ukraine. I have zero support for the Ukraine. I mean, I don't want Ukrainian people to die, um, but beyond that, I really don't don't care, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that they that if the people want, wish to remain sovereign, then they have the right to fight for it, and uh, the cards fall where they may i'm not an interventionist guy myself i don't really think it's any of our business so that's where i fall on the matter i'm like you know if they want to fight that's up to them and if they if they win they win if they lose they, they lose and we got to be okay with that yeah i think as far as the ukrainian people you know the people who are not in government i don't think that they i don't think that they care that much to be honest with you you know, mm. I think that there are people in the Ukraine who do care, people who have interests. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are Ukrainian people who do care. I, I, I'm not saying that they all don't, but I'm willing to bet that most of them are just like most Americans who, who just are like living. You know, it's yeah. like, I really don't fucking care who's in charge. I do not care. Yeah. Um, and that is that is more or less how I'm becoming at this point is I don't fucking care who wins the next election. It, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff we could talk about there as far as the next election is concerned. But uh, I want to save it for a minute because I want to ask you about I want to ask you about Orthodox Church, and I'm going to ask you about your catechism stuff because uh, there's not much to say really. I'm still in the inquisitor phase, so I'm just like going to church, you know. Do you, what does inquisitor mean? You haven't started officially, it's like, like I'm like hanging around, you know. Yeah, and when they 
see that I'm like not flaky, then I start my catechism. And you just have to wait. You don't know how long that's going to take. You just wait till they tell. I assume it's. He said probably a couple months. You know. That reminds me of uh, that episode of Game of Thrones, where the girl goes to the face changing place and she sits out in front of the. Uh, she just doesn't leave. Remember? Yeah. Uh, Arya Stark. Oh, yeah. How could I forget that <laughs> shitty fucking part of the show? You thought it was shitty. Oh god, it was so <laughs> stupid. Oh. Uh, what? It could have been cool. It had potential. It but did. Yeah, they just blew it. Mm. Remember she got stabbed in the stomach a bunch of times and then jumped into what amounted to a sewer yeah. into that water yeah. and didn't die, didn't get infected. <laughs> so fucking stupid, man. That yeah. that show was retarded towards the end. Yeah. Sorry, I, uh, I getting me all worked up. <laughs> I, I fucking hate Game of Thrones, oh. man. I loved that show so much and then it ended so poorly, dude. Yeah, I uh, I don't I didn't I didn't like I have an, a different level of like uh, I don't know what word it is patience for that like I I will uh, allow a lot especially in a fantasy situation I'll allow I'll let a lot go yeah but there was a there was a couple of scenes um, even at the very end like that giant battle with the dragons and all that it was super impressive man like visually yeah it's like it's like when I watch the new Star Wars trilogy it's like they're the shittiest movies. As far as like the story, it's like you just recycled the old story. You added a woman, and you, you think you're going to get woke brownie points. And lots of people went to see that movie, and they made lots and lots of money. So I guess they're right. But yeah. apart from it being visually beautiful and cool to see, those were some shitty movies, man. Stupid. I tried to like the first one. I had yeah. like a crush on Daisy Ridley, so I like tried to like it. But Daisy Ridley, Gray, the oh, main oh, character. Oh, oh, oh. She's she's. Very pretty. I have more of a crush. She is very pretty. I have more of a, more of a crush on uh, the big burly one that they got rid of the UFC girl. What's her name? Oh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Me, you and me both. Man. Yeah. I love Gina Carano. Um, that poor that poor lady. Fuck her. She's she's doing fine. She's working for the Daily Wire. She's is she? Oh yeah. Really? She did a movie for the Daily Wire. Oh, I guess I don't know. if She's like working for them, but she did a movie for them. What do you think Tucker's gonna land? Oh yeah, we should talk about that. I think I don't know what to think. I uh, part of me thinks that he might be like getting it ready for a uh, some kind of political run. You know? Oh, I hadn't even really considered that. I don't really know though because I don't know. I don't know if he would run against Trump. I don't know if. I think he might win if he ran against Trump. To be honest with you, um, I think he's like. Uh, like Trump with all the upgrades, you know? He's like Trump, but he's as pretty as Justin Trudeau, kind of. And he's also, like, way smarter than Trump and Justin yeah, Trudeau, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I kind of thought that, um, like, I don't really know of any network where he might fall, except for, like, no, the, maybe the, the Daily gonna, Wire, but they can't afford him. No, he's not going to go to it. He's either going to start his own thing. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, like the Blaze. He would just start his own thing, mm-hmm. and, you know? He's got if he brings if he brings a part of his audience he'll be rich as shit yeah. for the rest of his life, and he will bring part of his audience for sure. I'll I'll, I'll go wherever I'm going to listen to Tucker. Still, I love Tucker. Yeah, I, I really haven't listened to much, but what I have listened to, I've more or less liked. Yeah. Did you by any chance hear that speech he gave like a few days, a couple days before he got fired? Uh, refresh my memory. It, it was, was at Heritage, the Heritage Foundation. What did he say? Um, that. Basically, like the the essence of all conflict is religious in nature. 
basically, yeah. is what it boiled down to. No, I don't think I saw that one. It's a good one. You should yeah. listen to it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, so I wanted to talk to you about that. I also wanted to talk to you about your near-death experience. Tell the audience about your near-death experience. Um, so I was at work, and uh, I have these 40-foot-long steel columns that I have to cut down so that they can weld them. And uh, I, you know, they're banded together with, uh, you know, metal banding that you, like, crank real tight. Yeah. I was cutting the metal banding. And normally we take the, they come in bundles of four, you know, and we'll have a bundle of four. We'll take some wood, some like four by four wood and put it going, you know, this way. And then we put the 40 foot long things on top of it so that we can get straps for the crane and, you know, forks for forklifts underneath. Of gotcha. Them. Then we'll put more four by four wood on top of the, the bundle and then we'll put another bundle on top of it. So you got two bundles. And then I just take from those bundles as I need to cut columns. Yep. So I was cutting the uh, straps off of it, and one of the four by fours that we had underneath of the bundle was not. What am I trying to say? The four by four was not sticking all the way out from the uh, the bundle. Yeah. And it, when I cut the last strap off, it just like. You know, the tension from the strap letting go and it not having that stable rest of the 4x4 down on the other end, uh, as soon as it popped open, they just came towards me. These, you know, 12, they're 12, excuse me, 12 inches by 12 inches. So it's a, you know, yeah. it's a tube, a, a square tube. It's hollow. Okay. Three eighths inches thick. So, you know, about yay thick Yeah. on the, uh, you know, the each sidewall. 40 foot long. 40 feet long. So yeah. it weighed tons. Tons. It weighs a lot. Yeah, and two of them just came came off. And now, like, how high were they compared to like up to here? Like chest. On me. Okay. Um, I have the video footage of it. I'll try. I'll try to get it to where we can watch it. Like, how did you get the something. video footage? We're just rec- we have cameras everywhere. Oh, interesting. You know? Yeah. Um. Fuck. So it came at me for a split second. I tried to like put my hands up and just like you know like push it back, but you know that's not gonna fucking work. Yeah. Um, and then uh, honestly, I don't really remember, I don't really remember what happened to be honest with you. Um, I know that afterwards I measured the distance between the bundle that I was cutting open and the one it was sitting on. And cause there was a bunch of shit behind me too. Mm. Uh, and there was three feet of space and the two things that, you know, the, the two bundles there, the, the two columns that fell were a foot a piece so that's you know two feet yeah and there was space in between so i i i really don't know how it didn't like crush my legs i i don't know how it's fucked up man so you had less than a foot of clearance and i assume they hit the ground hard i i would say oh oh dude they landed on other pieces of wood and they just obliterated them oh shit yeah oh because there was more down below yeah, there was okay like, yeah yeah so I, I was just imagining them hitting the ground and making a terrible noise. I mean, they did make a lot of fucking noise. Did it get everyone's attention? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it hit my leg. It hit the side of my leg. My left leg, my, like my left knee is pretty sore, but it could have been so much worse, dude. Oh, boy. So I, I, I don't know how I ended up on top. Like, I'll show you the video. I'm cutting it open. I'm cutting it. I'm cutting it. And it like then it like pops and like moves towards me. And at the end of it, I'm on top of them. 
I'm like sitting on top of them, and I just don't know how it happened, man. You don't know how you got there? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't. I don't know, man. Mm. It's fucking weird. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the. I just don't think that because I remember I should have taken a picture of it before I moved the columns and cut them down, but. I just don't understand how there was enough room for my leg to have not gotten at least pinned between the the other column that was there. If it and if it shattered the wood underneath it, it would have shattered oh, your leg. Oh, for sure. Golly, man. So it was a close call, man. So were you like in, were you like in shock afterwards? No, not really. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cold motherfucker, man. <laughs> like I, I uh, you know, I don't react. You know, I've, I got a, a I got a cool hat on my shoulders. I'm I'm thankful for that because I it's come in handy a few yeah. times. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I wasn't. I was like surprisingly not rattled at all. So no no weird dreams after no no fear to I, the only no weird dreams or anything like that. But every now and then I think about it and like holy fuck that was close, man. Like I was like Have inches away from just my legs being just obliterated, <sighs> just completely fucked. Jesus. Um, have you cut the straps on them since to get more? I mean, oh, I yeah. had to do that again. And no, 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 actually, no, I haven't had to do that. I, do, you, do you think you might be concerned, be afraid next time no, you do? Not really. I did it. I've done it a hundred times before that, and there yeah. was never any issue. And so, what would you do in the future to make sure that I'm just going to make sure that the 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 wood is like sticking out completely? Okay. You know, cheese man. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. It was fucked up, man. That was a scary situation. All right, when I went to uh, Nashville, I got to listen to an audiobook. Um, because of the airport time and the flight time, I listened to a whole audiobook. And I also brought with me another Alan Watts book. And I started reading, I didn't get very far, but I started reading some of the Alan Watts book. And there was a bunch of shit in there that I thought was interesting. So if you want to hear about it, I got a couple things. Sure. So I, f- I learned about this th- this book. I don't know how I heard about it. I don't remember anymore. It's called the God, the God Theory, by an astrophysicist named. Was that the one you sent me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have Audible anymore, but oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you listen to it, I think you would be surprised. Uh, the reason I sent it to you was because I'll tell you selfishly. The reason I sent sent it to you is not because I think you would necessarily enjoy it. Although the beginning of the book, I think you would enjoy. Um, it's because he says the shit that I say in my more mystical moments, and in many cases, word for word. Yeah. And he's an astrophysicist, so I'm like, yeah. like I guess uh, I guess I'm smart after all. King of the um, castle. King of the castle. So this guy, I, I learned a little bit about him. Bernard Hayes is his name. He wrote this book, The God Theory. He's written other books. He's, Anne Hayes' son. It must be. He's known for dabbling in science that is less than credible. So, like, he'll talk about UFOs, he'll talk about stuff that serious scientists will avoid. So, if you read his wiki, you get a little bit of that. It's like, yeah, he's a real like scientist. Like Graham Hancock. Yeah, he's like, he's like Graham More Hancock. More respect than Graham Hancock because he is a scientist. Because he is a scientist, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a, a legit astrophysicist. Uh, he worked, like, you know, with NASA. He's done all kinds of, like, government contracts and, um, he uh, has a theory that he put out that that talks about zero point energy or the zero point field, and I talked about that a little bit when I learned about it. I thought it was amazing that that even at like like 
with with no matter at all in an absolute vacuum there's this you know underlying vib- vibration going on this zero point field of energy that you that is always constantly there and that electrons will pop in and out of existence from the field like literally something material coming from nothing essentially and he talks about the zero point energy being the cause of inertia and he wrote he wrote papers with some other scientist some actual uh, theoretical physicist about how this might make possible new types of propulsion so the idea is really cutting edge shit this might be a way if we could understand the science of this zero point energy where we could travel without traditional propulsion that kind of thing he's a smart dude he's a smart dude <laughs> so he wrote this book and he he said, and I'm gonna just gonna paraphrase it. I wish I would have had the time to go back and get the quotes, because if I did, you would see what I mean when I said this guy sounds like, like me. Now, I the shit that I say, I worked out from having this mystical experience that we've talked about ad nauseum. But the point is, I had these ideas through what I would call basically a revelation. I don't know how else to say it. In religious terms, it was a revelation. Um, he seemingly came to these conclusions from thinking philosophically and learning about science in the world. And he says that consciousness or mind is the basis of matter, not the other way around. So materialist science, modern science says, no, no, no. Consciousness is a side effect of, of, the, of matter following the laws of physics and nothing else. He says, oh no, the laws of physics are something like an idea in this cosmic mind. The laws of physics are something like a thought in the mind of God. And he says, God is essentially this fundamental consciousness. Mm -hmm. And he connects that to the zero point field. And he says that the material cosmos and everything in it is is an embodiment of that cosmic consciousness. uh, And that it it, it becomes embodied in order to experience itself. Like how much much of this shit sounds familiar to you? It's It's pretty on. It's pretty on. Pretty spot on. Um, so that's basically, in a nutshell, real high-level summary, and he gets into some science and, and more about the zero-point field and stuff that's over my head, but that's basically the gist. Uh, and I just thought that was amazing. Like, I thought it was amazing. I, I've heard some people say shit that's similar to the stuff I say. Alan Watts and Aldous Huxley, Daniel Torridon, uh lots of people that I've encountered that say things like this. But this guy said like verbatim shit that I've said that yeah. I thought was mine, you know? Yeah. Does it bum you out at all? It would have uh, years ago, but I sort, of, I sort of came to terms with the idea that there's nothing new under the sun. And also that uh, human experience is, it's mostly universal. And, that, and I know that and the type of mystical experience I had, lots of people have had going back to, you know, thousands of years. I'm not you know, special in any way. And those experiences are replicable, you know? And so this guy had the same ideas that I've had, but it's just the level of parallels. I'm going to have to do an episode, a solo episode on it, but the level of parallels are just fascinating to me. If you got nothing on Bernard, I can move on to Alan Watts. Bernard Hayes. Yes. Uh, no, no, that's interesting though. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear. Well, I don't know if when I send it to you, if you have to buy it or if, I, if oh, I'm, yeah, a, if you I'm allowed that. to give it to I, I would have. Oh, no, no. Well, I think you can only do that once, like, with Not. a new account, so you wouldn't be able to do okay. it anyways. But Okay. Yeah, no, if I would have been able to listen to it free, I would have downloaded okay. it. But, yeah, you had to buy it. Yeah, you should. 
you should you should or or if I do the episode on it, just listen to my episode. You'll get the idea. All right. So Alan Watts, um, I fucking love Alan Watts, man. That guy is that guy is the best. Yeah. Um. So I I read the Joyous Cosmology, and I talked about on the podcast. The one I'm reading now is called um, Beyond Theology: The Art of Godsmanship. Is what it's called. All right. And so I just want to read to you a couple of these quotes that I picked out. And I'm selfishly going to, these are, you're going to see the point I'm trying to make here, but I want to get your thoughts. So he talks, basically, Alan Watts is a very, very smart man, very mystical man, and he studies, studies religion. And so he does a lot of comparison between Eastern and Western religions and mysticism. And I love that shit. I love it. I eat it up. That's the kind of shit I like to do. So he eat says, that shit up. eat it up. He said, uh, in this book, he said, he said, your eye inside your skin and my eye inside mine are pockets of the same current. I am as unconscious of my being, in fact, the whole current, as I am unconscious of the brain functions which underlie consciousness. So basically, he's saying that what you are at the deepest level, fundamentally, is identical to what I am. Very much something I've said many times before. You and I are not distinct beings. That fundamentally we're identical, actually. And then he says, it's not just that you and I are identical. It's that that current that is is in everything, that's what we are. It's like it's not just that we share an identity. It's that identity is only one thing across you know all of being. And I thought that was very cool. You know, very in line with me. And then he says. Western cultures have bred a type of human, uh, type of human being who feels strongly alienated from everything which is not his own consciousness. So he starts. He starts to talk about Western culture making this idea of like identifying your soul and my soul being identical, and that soul being identical with God. This whole idea that I like and talk about that just Western culture estranges us from that, makes that idea seem weirder than other cultures think it is. So if you go and talk to a Hindu, they got no problems with that. Talk to a Buddhist, they got no problems with that. Talk to a Christian, they think you're a fucking loon. So what do you, what do you think about that, that, that Western culture? And he, he, he specifies, because he says, he says um, Catholic and Protestant orthodoxies stand powerfully opposed to any viewpoint that seems to compromise the integrity of the individual soul, right? You have an individual soul, and that's important. It's like you can't, your soul can't be everybody's soul, right? You're responsible for your soul, for your actions, for your karma. So it's important that your soul be yours and not everyone's, right? What do you think of that? Um, I mean, I don't know. I I agree I, that that is how the West is. Yeah, I mean, um, at least to some extent. Um, yeah, I I, I yeah. don't know. It's like it's like if you're responsible for uh, making it to heaven, it's like that's the onus is on you for your behaviors and for your interactions with other people. And if you say that the thing that you're I don't know the, the soul that you're preserving or purifying so that you can make it to heaven is a, is attached to or one with other assholes, you know, souls. It's like, what does that mean? Am I responsible for you somehow? The your sins, mm-hmm. something like that. It's like like it is something like off putting about that. And then he says, um, God and man are identical. Hold on. 
Yeah. He says, any suggestion that there is some inner level at which God and man are identical. So this is, this is the objection. Uh, he says, for God loves and judges every single creature separately. So that's the idea. That kind of goes out the window if my soul was every, is everybody's soul. All right, then he says, in Hinduism, the crucial doctrine of tat svam asi, which means thou art that, asserts the, the ultimate identity of oneself and the Godhead. So thou art that means I am God, something like that. He says, the self referred to here is not the ego, not the personal soul, but the rauk adonai, or breath of the Lord, which gave life to the clay image of Adam. And that was one of the exact arguments I made when I did that episode about, um, is Jesus the only God-man? And I was talking about theosis, remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, the rauk adonai, the breath of God. So that's the thing that we share in common with each other and with God. It's not our ego. It's not the thing that makes us individuals. It's the thing that makes us one. And he uses that, that Jewish idea to make that point, which I think was brilliant. And then he says, as one of the Christian mystics put it, he is thy being, but thou art, art not his. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. He is thy being. God is my being, but I am not his being. So that's the, that's the difference between, you know, when we talk about I, I, I'm God, when I make that statement and we're, we, we go back and forth on what does that mean in terms of God the Father or an external God. If I'm God, what does that mean about the external God? And we, we've had many conversations back and forth about that. And this, this, this point, he is thy being. God is my being. God is everything that I am, but I am not everything God is. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that that puts the words to what I maybe can't do justice to. It's like there is a God outside of me, and I think that makes sense to me. I, I you know, everything that I am is God, and that's why I feel comfortable saying I am God because there's nothing it, there's nothing that I am that isn't God. But God is more than just me. And I've said that from the very beginning. I've said that from the very beginning when I had that first mystical experience. So I don't know how to how I don't know what that means exactly. You're nodding your head like you get it and you understand, but that's what I meant to say. You know, that's what you meant. When to we say. went when, when we had this conversation in the past, something like that. Okay. Um. I don't really. Um. I mean, I like that. That's uh, you know, that doesn't that doesn't seem blasphemous to you. That seems like that fits in with the. Uh... Um, it seems like it could potentially be blasphemous, to be honest with you. But uh, it doesn't seem like it has to be either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Good. Good. I like it. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier, what was it? Shit! It slipped my mind. What were you talking about? What with, with those earlier quotes? Oh, you were talking about, um, you know, Western people don't like the idea of like, you know, am I responsible? You know, am I responsible for their sin too? You mm-hmm. know, what what do you think about that? That's a great question, man. Am I responsible for other people's sins because we're all one? Well, I think, I think that. 
the story of Jesus is exactly that. It's one man who's responsible for the sins of all men. I think it's very difficult to argue that that's the case with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus was for the sins of humanity, right? Yeah. So one man paid the price for all men. Mm-hmm. So there's something there that's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to dance around when when we when we say that. Um, so it's true for Jesus. Is it true for us? So there's a quote, and I can't remember where it comes from, and I'm struggling with it. But it's something like, like. One man can't be saved until all men are saved. Something like that. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm getting that from? Nope. Damn, this it's it's way in the vault. It's deep in the vault. Um, so there's something like that too. It's like uh, like I did an episode on Jesus and Buddha this last Wednesday, which if you have a chance to listen to, it's fascinating. Straight, not not even for like. It's fascinating for not just the similarities between Jesus and Buddha, which is what the episode is about. It's fascinating for the level of parallel and what they taught. Like even in the scripture, in the words. It's fascinating how close some of them are. And I never, uh, I never knew. I never imagined how close some of these were. If you listen to it, you'll see what I mean. But, so, but even in, in the case of, um, of Buddha... Uh, Buddha reaches enlightenment, and he c- could just transcend and and not and be gone, but he doesn't. He he stays back in order to teach others to transcend to to reach nirvana. So Buddha has a duty to himself. He, that's what's right. What what's right is to to benefit humanity, and there's a parallel there with Jesus, like we said earlier. So I don't I don't I can't say no to that that really, but I don't I don't really understand. From my perspective, like I don't want to be responsible for other people's sins because I don't have any, I don't have any power over their behavior. Yeah. What do you What do you say to that? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for other people's sins. Uh, I guess it just depends on what you mean by that. Because um, in the way that Jesus was responsible for everyone's sins, I'm not capable of being responsible for everyone's sins in that manner. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but. You know that can still symbolically mean something toward for me in in my relation to other people's sins. You know what I mean, right? Um, I can not, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, you know, I think about like what happened with Daniel Torridan and his religion. Um, mm. You know, if somebody is you know falls into apostasy or something like that. You don't have to turn your back on them completely, you know what I mean? Right, sure. I mean, depending on how it goes, you might have to. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, things like that, not not um, like when somebody, you find out that somebody is sinning, you like turn your back on them completely. That's not really what you're supposed to do. Now, right. you, I do think that one thing that runs through Christianity nowadays is people want to take the words of Jesus and like m- just push them a little bit farther than it seems like Jesus really wanted them to go. Like you like if somebody's sinning, you you just support them in their sin. No, that's not how it works. Right. You know, like if somebody is 
you are going to sin. You're going to fail. But you can't just like lie to yourself and say, no, this is fine. My sin is fine. It's not a sin. It's good. Sure. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a good part of me. It's, it's one of the reasons I'm going to heaven, you know? Like, no, that doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work for me. Um, Be, being responsible for somebody else's sins sounds to me like moral communism. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of, um, you know, like reparations and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? like, for sure. For sure. So I'm not down with it that way either. Let me ask you this question. Let's suppose you continue on your spiritual path and you start to... F- you start to have like real powerful changes in your life for the better. And you get to the point where like, maybe you're like at peace, let's say, because people say that a lot about like religious experience. Let's say you, you, you reach some level of peace or satisfaction or something with life. And uh, maybe, maybe this goes back to that idea of submission and all that. Maybe you stop, you stop thinking a certain way. Your psychology improves. You're happier. Would you feel then any obligation to, to help other people get there? Like, once you know that's possible. Yeah. So, is that something like being responsible for other people's sins? Because something makes me think, like, if I got to a point like that, and I just said, you know what, I got there, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm just going to spend the rest of my life in this bliss, and, and you know, not worried about anybody else. Like, I can't imagine doing that. I would, I would feel... I, I know what you mean, and, like, you're you're called in the Bible to... You know, be 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 fishers of men. You mm. know what I'm saying. So you are called to want not just not just keep it for you. You know, it's like yeah. uh, that old what's that that old song that kids Bible song. It's like um, this little light of mine. <laughs> I'm gonna let it shine. You know, you don't yeah. you don't hide it under a bushel. No, you don't. You fucking let that shine. Let it shine. You know. So <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I just think that phrasing it as being responsible for other people's sins is like a novel way of saying that, yeah, maybe. you know, but I mean, if that's what you're saying, then yeah, I do think that that's a good way of being responsible for other people's sins. Mm. You're right. You're right about the language, the language, because I could say it, I could say it differently. I could say that you're, uh, you're responsible for like letting it shine, you know, you're responsible. Yeah, you're responsible for helping them evangelize yeah it. well yeah something like that you could say it differently but yeah. yeah but you but there is a way there is a way i think that that it makes sense to say that somehow it makes the burden of their salvation you're sharing it with them you're you're helping carry that cross bro yeah yeah see what i did there yes indeed <laughs> all right all right i got i got two more quotes here from this book He says, Hinduism asserts that all experience whatsoever is God's and that God is the one and only knower and seer. I've said that shit a thousand times. All I said, we are the experience God is having. That's what I've said. He says, Hinduism asserts that all experience whatsoever is God's and that God is the only knower and seer. And when I say things like consciousness is the the oneness, that's what that's what I mean, and I even I even say it's like the thing that's looking out through your eyes, the thing that knows behind your eyes. It's not your brain. It's not your you know. It's 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 not your your material body. It's something else, and whatever that thing is is identical to mine. You know, um, one of the one of the quotes from my um, mystical experience that I wrote down was 
another set of eyes for that which sees. Because that which sees is the one. It's the one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I get a little bit of that from uh, Alan. And then he says, this is really what I want to ask you about. He says, Christianity objects to the monism of the Hindus. By that he means the oneness of the, of the human and, and the divine. Christianity objects to the monism of the Hindus because without differentiation, there is no place for the supreme values of love and relationship. Then he says, however, what the Christian says about the three-in-one and one-in-three relationship of the Trinity is almost exactly what the Hindus say about the many-in-one and the one-in-the-many. And then he says, if the latter makes love between the members unreal, so does the former. So you remember when we were, when I was telling you that I was arguing with Jim on, that Jim fellow on Twitter, and he said, basically, in what I took to be a very derogatory way, that my belief that, that, that everything is God, and to the point where I can say something as blasphemous as I am God, precludes the the notion of having a relationship with God and that's and that's key to Christianity. I basically felt like he was telling me that I can never be a legitimate Christian because I can never have a relationship with God whilst I'm confused about who's who. And then he Alan Watts brings up this idea that the Trinity, you know, breaks down the oneness of God into persons and and makes the idea of God relational. And what, what is the relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all of which are God? The relationship is between God and God itself. And that he says this is exactly the mystical and Hindu idea of God being one and many, God and the material cosmos. And the relationship is between you and me. And that's a relationship between God and God. And, and, and God. It's it's guys self experience. All of it is self experience, and I thought that was a really interesting way of talking about it because I defended or tried to defend the idea that I have a relationship with God, and I talk to you about that in more explicit terms when I talk about praying. Like, who am I praying to? And I told you, it's like I still feel as though I'm praying to something else outside of me or beyond me in some way. And yet, one of the greatest parts about this mystical experience for me is being able to have that experience and identify with the thing it is I'm speaking with. And so how is that possible? It's paradoxical, and it's non, it makes no sense. And, and Alan Watts basically says, well, maybe so, but if it's, not, if it's nonsense from the Hindu perspective of one and the many, then it's nonsense with, within the context of Christianity. And basically what he's saying is it's not nonsense. What do you think about that, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Um, I think... That, that idea of the one and the many that pops up, you know, all throughout philosophy. Um, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that it's going to pop up in Hinduism. Um, and I do, they are very similar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very similar. Um, I think that there's, you know, I think that there's truth. There's a lot of truth out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that it, it truth was found in different you know different parts of the world at different times, and it's crazy to see the, the like the truths that people found separately. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like independent of each other. That kind of stuff is very interesting. 
I agreed. I, you know, and then there's the question of perennial, perennialism, and I don't, I don't really know. Like, I feel like you probably would resist the idea of perennialism. Just that's just my assumption. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, yes. Uh, I mean, unless you're talking about like perennial Christianity, you know. I guess what I so I, I imagine, and I've, I I said this in my Jesus and Buddha episode that I just did. And I basically, I was basically speaking to you when I when I said it, uh, that if you imagine these parallels between Jesus and Buddha, which I talk about on that on that episode, and the conclusion you come to is that all religions are equal and all religions lead to the same place. Like I probably disagree with that. Yeah, I do disagree. And I know, that. and I assumed you would. Yeah. But are you surprised that I disagree with it? No, because it's kind of ridiculous on its face um you know i like i said just a minute ago i think that a lot of religions and philosophical traditions they can find truths for sure um but just because you found some truths doesn't mean that those truths are pointing you at the same things that other things are pointing you at. yeah you know yeah it reminds me of jordan peterson when he says that there are an infinite number of facts so you have to pick and choose the ones that you want to believe or the ones that you want to fo- include in your argument. But the fact that there's an infinite number of facts means that there's an infinite number of arguments that could be made and if an infinite number of directions. And you can use the same facts to make a different argument, you know? A sneeze coming. Mm, there it is. Thank you. Um... Yeah, so I'm probably gonna finish that that Alan Watts book. I, I'm certain I'll do a I'll do a solo episode on it. But I was just loving it, man. I love that dude, Alan Watts, man. Yeah, he's got a bunch of good shit on YouTube, man. I listened to some he's of got it. Got a nice voice too, Alan Watts. Another guy that I've been checking out on YouTube is uh, Richard Feynman, physicist, mm-hmm. super suit, and he's like been around forever, and he's got tons of shit out there. He's really fun to listen to. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else do I have. I also put in just a couple of things from the news. Um, so we're getting yeah we're getting close. Um, the first Republic Bank bankruptcy. Did you see that? Not really. Well, this is so this, this is the third major bank that I've seen. Maybe there's been others, but the third major bank that's collapsed since the Fed the Fed has started to raise rates and has started to create problems. Um, it happened with two banks in pretty quick succession, and they got bought. And now it's happened with First Republic Bank, and uh, they're in the process of bidding, hoping somebody will buy it up. Um, so that's three banks that's, that have collapsed. I don't know how often that happens, if it's just getting attention now, and maybe it happens from time to time. But I, I haven't heard of it yeah. since the Great Depression. Yeah. And now we've seen three of them. Scary, man. Scary. On top of that, with everything going on in Ukraine and Russia, um, Sudan is in the middle of basically a civil war right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Sudan, you know, what does that mean? I don't know, you know, it, it, on a global scale, what what does Sudan being in the civil war mean? Like, probably not much. But On the global scale, yeah, probably not much. Sucks for Sudan, though. Sucks for Sudan, but it just, the fact that it's happening now with all this other stuff going on, um, I don't know if it means anything, but it's just scary. This is another one of those things. Um, I also saw a story about farm animals that we're eating and how they treat them with, you know, antibiotics and stuff that, you know, how they do. Yeah. One of the things they're doing with pork 
is they're vaccinating them with mRNA vaccines as an alternative to the types of like antibiotics and stuff that, that they're giving them. And the art, the gist of the article was you might not want to eat pork. Yeah. Because I don't know how that works. If I didn't, if I didn't want to get the mRNA vaccine, the COVID vaccine, because I was concerned about whatever, and then I go and have a BLT. Yeah. Am I getting some, you know, of that gene editing shit into my body? Like, I, I, I'm not a scientist, dude. I don't know. Should I not be eating pork? And the article's like, it's happening with pork right now. But it will shortly be happening in beef and everything else. Yeah. So it's like, you're not going to be able to get around it. <clears throat> it's fucked up, man. Fucked up. Real fucked up. They did say, on the bright side, that one of the things that they're already in the works on is making making labels, making it necessary to put the, that on labels. So when you go to the store, it's going to say, you know, this animal is treated with the mRNA. It probably won't say that. It'll probably say something else that yeah. doesn't sound quite as scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that. And then, lastly, not maybe not lastly, I have a couple others, but you know that there's those diabetes drugs that they've been uh, talking about, uh, Wingarvi and Ozempic, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, people are using them just for weight loss, but they're they're diabetes drugs. And the big controversy is um, the demand is so high for it because everyone's so fat that diabetics can't get it. And it's, it was made for people with diabetes, but now it's just a bunch of fat people want it to lose weight. So they're coming up with a new, well, they, they already have it. It's called um, Monjaro. It's a, it's a similar type of drug that's already being used to treat type 2 diabetes, but they're in the process of getting it FDA approved as a weight loss treatment. And it's like, Ozempic on steroids. They they said that the average, like people lose like twenty percent of their body weight who, who take this drug. It's crazy. Yeah. I wonder what the mechanism is. Oh, they said that. I don't again. I don't know the details, but apparently, when you um, eat certain kind of things, um, or maybe just when you eat anything, um, there's like uh, I don't know. I don't want to say chemicals, but there's like reactions in your like uh, gut. And your colon and all that shit, and it sends signals to your brain. And if you have like, if you're eating like sugar and stuff, those signals are telling you to eat more sugar. What this does is it like binds to those receptors, so that those signals that tell you you're hungry or you want more of that sweet sweet pie you were just eating, they don't they don't work anymore. They're they're basically clogged up by the by the uh, medicine, hmm. and so people don't want to eat, and and they're full really quickly. And they seems don't seems good. It does seem good. One of the side effects, cancer. Cancer. Nice. So just a little cancer. No just a little deal. cancer. No big deal. So you basically have what is it is in an essence a miracle weight loss drug. That gives you cancer. That gives you cancer. And everybody's gonna want it. They said it's gonna be like a two hundred billion dollar drug when they when they approve it for weight loss. You know who doesn't want it? Who? This guy. This guy. I don't fucking want it. I'm yeah. good on that, dude. Yeah. I just not eat as much. That's good. Good enough for me. Yeah, the discipline. Um, so anyway, uh, that was in the news. Would you recommend that anybody take that drug? No. No, I wouldn't. But yeah. you, you know what the article, how the article framed it was like, here's all the different serious health consequences of being obese. Yeah. And this drug, which might give you cancer, will... will will remedy all of these lists of things, you know, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, you know, all these terrible things. So what's a little chance, a little risk of a little cancer if you can avoid all of these other, that's how they're spending it. It's crazy. Not R- good, man. RFK Jr. 
that's what I want to I want to ask you about. Have you been following any of? He's uh, the guy who's going to run for president against Joe. Yes. I mean, I know a you know I'm not like deep into it or anything, but so I don't I don't either I don't know much about him, but he's a Kennedy first of all, um, so that's something. He seems to be more of a old fashioned Democrat. By that I mean like part partially reasonable, and I don't hate that. Yeah. Um, he was he got a lot of shit for being anti-vax. I don't want to say anti-vax, but he was against the mRNA vaccine being released globally without without the proper testing and all that, which is very reasonable. And he's a Democrat who said that, so that's refreshing. Yeah. He also is against transgendered women competing in women's sports. And that seems to make sense to me. Um, yeah, it's he, a little weak for me, but, you know. But, he, but, but the fact that a Democrat says it at all is refreshing to me. Um, he's already polling at 20%, which apparently is impressive. And they don't want a primary because they don't want Biden to be challenged by him or anybody else. So they're basically trying to keep him out. So I was going to run that by you. What say you? Um, I don't know enough about his position on things to know whether or not I think that he is, like, legit. Yeah, me either. Um, and when I say legit, I mean, like, not, you know, like, controlled opposition. You know what I mean? Um, I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the fact that he gets out there and he's saying some things that make sense to me doesn't, like, uh, assuage my fears. It actually makes me more suspicious, mm. to be honest with you. You get some guy who is... Uh, I, when I get somebody out there who's saying a bunch of stuff that makes sense to me, I'm like, that guy's probably a Fed, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know what to think. I, I'm going to have to, like, dig into it a little bit more. Yeah, um, I'd be curious. As it becomes more... Like, of a realistic thing, I, I'm sure I will. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just hope... I guess it's good that he is, like, against transgender women competing in women's sports. Uh, it's so fucking confusing and it convoluted. Is. It sure is. He's against dudes competing with women. Yes. Um, yes. So, that's good. But I just hope that whoever the Republican nominee is, is not, like tiptoeing through the tulips around the issue on that one like I want you know I'm like down with what Michael Knowles said the other day that he got in a bunch of trouble for which is we need to eradicate transgenderism which you know a lot of people took as we need to like round them all up and yeah, boxcar situation them which is not what he said not, that's nonsense um, yeah. but I agree with that I think we do need to eradicate transgenderism yeah yeah so he you bring up controlled opposition, and I honestly I'm, I feel a little bit shame, shameful about being naive and just continuously naive. Didn't even occur to me, but as soon as you say it, I'm like that. That makes perfect sense um, because the, the Dems play 4D chess, oh, and yeah. that just fits right in. But also the idea of like an older Democrat, like you know, there's no older Democrat than Biden, yeah. But to, but an older Democrat that has those like. Old-fashioned old liberal but values yeah. to step up and start like pointing fingers at his own party and and like saying like speaking sense. That just is such an attractive idea to me. It's like yes, 
Why don't we have somebody from the Democratic Party step up and start pointing out the absurdity of the, of what's happening? Yeah, you know that I would love that. Yeah, the problem is that the movers and the shakers know that that's a compelling. You know, they're like, if we do this, they're gonna like that. You know, this is exactly why Bernie Sanders endorsed Biden immediately. Did yeah. you hear that? Yeah, yeah. What in the fuck? Fucking Bernie. What a, Bernie's so pathetic. What a bitch. Yep. What? <laughs> oh boy. I also heard um, a bunch of talk about how. Uh, the Chinese, not only in China, but in the um, uh, the land holdings they have in Africa with all the mines and everything, that the United States government's continuing to push for uh, EV cars, right? And all, they all need these batteries. Mm-hmm. And the Chinese control the supply of the manganese and the lithium and all the stuff that we need to build the batteries. So our country continues to push uh, all the industry, you know, to, to move in this direction. And the fear is... That if 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 we do that, we basically do it by the good graces of the Chinese who have the supply, and then at, at any point they cut it off. They can cut it off, yeah. and then it becomes a national security risk. And I was just like, "What in the fuck? What do you think of that? We're gonna go green for for the world. We're gonna we're gonna make Greta Thunberg happy, and then the Chinese are just like, you would be ours." I mean, I think that. You know, we, Joe Biden and people like that are acting like China is this big, like some people that we need to be worried about, you know, but they want exact, they want for America exactly what's going on in China right now. These people who are acting like we're going to go to war with China, they want exactly what's going on in China right now. Yep. Um, so I just like, when you talk about, China having all that and us giving them all that power to potentially turn, you know, turn the tap off for us. Like, I don't, I feel like the people who are pushing for us to move in that direction, they're working hand in hand with the people who are running China. You know, like, I just don't think that. um, See, that's another possibility that the, the other possibility is that this is like a conspiracy theory, obviously. But imagine that the relationship between the Bidens in general, or, or specifically, or America, like the the, the ruling class in general, um, behind the scenes is lockstep with China, hand in hand with China. So all of this that we're seeing is something like China governing through a puppet who who you know is Biden or anybody else, let's say for that matter, yeah. that's sitting in that seat. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's China governing through a puppet. In I would say that. Somebody, some group of people, and I think that it's probably more than one group of people, they get their hands on the reins of power throughout, you know, like it changes. I think like, you know, sometimes this group wrestles the reins of power out of the hands of this group and then they have it for a while. But um, I think that those people are controlling America and China and Russia, you know, um, that that's just kind of how I think that things actually work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the economies are so intertwined, and there's so much money to be made. Yeah, and I know it's conspiracy. It's conspiracy theory. It's conspiratorial and all that. But yeah, but it's also fucking true. I mean, you know, like I, I know that. Um, like I said that 
fuck, man, this cord is getting all wrapped out of my arm. Yep. Um, I, like, there are 100% people who are in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, in, they're members of the bureaucracy of the United States who definitely have a vested interest in, you know, all that stuff with China, those relationships being developed. Sure. Now, I know that there are people in the bureaucracy who have other interests who don't necessarily want that to happen. Um, but I do think that, like, the idea that we're voting for presidents and they're calling the shots, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the truth. Um, you know, it's these people moving behind the scenes who are really making things happen, and they're the ones who have these vested interests in, you know, uh, what's going on in the Ukraine, what's go, you know, yeah. business interests of China, things like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think it's probably a tapestry that's interconnected with a bunch of really wealthy and well-connected people all over the world who have their own agenda, and it's all being played out through puppet. Governments, it's all being played out through political authority, and it's being centralized as quickly as possible. Oh yeah, you know. And that brings me to one last story that I saw, which we I don't know, we may not have much to say on, but it's a good enough place as any to, to land. Uh, Tony Fauci. What about him? Uh, he, they, he was just he had he was I don't know if it was a interview or he was on TV or whatever, but he was just saying that <laughs> we've got to get away from the blame game. Oh yeah, yeah. We've got to get away. From the blame game, so so there's like a, a lot of pressure coming from Paul, Rand Paul and others um, that that want to make Fauci criminally liable, and so he's left the government trying yeah. trying to lay low, and uh, now he's now he's saying after having kind of spearheaded this whole operation, that's this whole uh, mRNA vaccine operation that has been proven, uh, you know, ineffective in lots of ways and lots of completely untruthful things that he said to the public as truth have all come to light and lots of people got vaccinated and lots of people got you know negative side effects from it and all this mm -hmm. now he wants to make sure we don't play the blame game of course he does and then you see those reels of videos of Fauci you know sh trying to shame everybody who didn't get the vaccine and, and you know now he doesn't want to play the blame game Yep. Well, you know, I like I said earlier, if I was in charge, which I'm not, uh, well, Fauci. You know, a, a few months ago, Fauci would should be lucky that I'm not in charge. Now that I'm, you know, I try to be a good Christian, he's maybe got less to worry about with me in charge, mm -hmm. but maybe not too. I don't know. Maybe I would prefer what I initially wanted for Fauci to what, what he would have in store for mm. him if I was in charge. But, you know, a few months ago, you know, and, and honestly, there's a big part of me that still still feels this way. It's like, you guys got you to gotta pay the ultimate price for what you did. Well, I've, said, I've told you this before, I think, but I'll say it again. Uh, one of the things that they used to do in ancient Samaria during like the New Year's celebration, is the king would come down from his throne, and he would be led out of the city walls by the people, and he would be forced to confess all of the things that he failed at during that year, and he would be ritually beaten, and then when he was done being beaten by the people, 
he would they would raise him back up and clean him off and put him back on his throne and it was a new fresh start you know and the king had to come down to the to the lowest level and had to expose himself to the people and had to admit all of all of his failures and wrongdoing to to the people that's what you're suggesting for Fauci shame yeah shame full circle baby shame Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.